Good morning. So good to be with you on this time change Sunday. And all God's people said, no, shut up would be the appropriate answer. Yeah, we come to church on time change Sunday and we're all singing, there's joy. And some of you are thinking, who are these freaks? We just are in love with Jesus and he's changed our life. And it's worth singing about even if we did lose an hour of sleep. I'm so glad you made it today. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, Today we are starting a new series called How to Live Through a Bad Day. Anybody have a bad day once in a while? Anybody sitting next to your bad day? No. No. Maybe you have a, maybe you have a, have a bad season. We can have bad seasons too. This is for you, How to Live Through a Bad Day. We're going to be starting this series now, and we're going to go up for the next five weeks. This series is going to end on Easter just five weeks away, and there's just a few more weeks, so I need you to help me. We have these invite cards. They're located right out there. You go out this way, and it's right on the right. And we have thousands of these. So you could take as many as you want. So here's how you can help me. It's really easy. Just have one of these, five of them, 10 of them, 20 of them. Put them in your purse, put them in your wallet, put them in your back pocket, put them in your car. Just have them. And ask God to give you a chance. And it can be really easy. You just tell them, you say, uh, say something great about your church. Like, you won't believe my pastor told this joke. On Sunday, it was totally busted, and like, you got to hear this joke. And you could tell him, you, you could, t- I did. <laughs> yeah, there's inside jokes, so you don't know. Um, my, my pastor told this joke, it was really great. Uh, I love my church. Church was awesome. They gave me caffeine when I walked in the door, like a lot of it today. Say something fun about your church. And then they're going to say, what church? You got them. What church? Oh, I go to New Hope Christian Center. It'd be great. What's the joke? You tell them the joke. Right, here's a joke you can tell them. Here, I'll just give you one. Here you go. This is the funny joke. Uh, there, was a, there was a young lady, a small, small preschool girl, who was at a wedding for the first time, and she turned to her mom, and she said, Mom, why is the bride wearing, wearing white? Why is the bride wearing white? And the mom said, um, just trying to get the daughter to be quiet, and she wasn't thinking through things. She just said, it's the happiest day of her life. She's putting on white because it's a color of happiness. And then the little girl said, well, why, why is the man wearing black? <laughs> what? Just a funny joke. And, and when you, when, when you tell, tell your friend that tomorrow at work, and they say, what's that have to do with the sermon? You could say, you, should, you just had to be there. By the way, you, you can I have one of these in my back pocket because my pastor told me to keep them in my back pocket. And here's a chance. So on one side, it has information on our church. On the other side, it says, see you Sunday in a cool way. So I hope you grab a few hundred of those on your way out <laughs> or whatever you want. We have plenty, okay? But let's be inviting people, not because we need it, not because you need it, but because they need it. They're looking for something. The, the, the world is hurting. There's a lot of hurting people in our world. And those of you that are here today figured out the answer. Other people haven't figured it out yet. It's our job to carry it to them, Yeah. So let's invite somebody. Let's fill up this place with you. Heading towards Easter. Okay. This series is called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And it's originally based off of a book that Dr. Jack Jack Hayford wrote of this title. You can't get it anymore. It's not in print. But he wrote a book called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And there's seven things that Jesus said on the cross. How many know that's a pretty bad day if you're on a cross? That's a real bad day. 
And on Jesus' worst day on the cross, he wasn't thinking about his bad day. He was thinking about you. And because he's such a good God, he said seven things that were later inspired by the gospel writers to write down the seven things Jesus said on the cross. And those seven things that Jesus said on the cross can serve now as a template, as a, as a frame of understanding for how we can live through our bad day. We can learn lessons from the seven things Jesus, um, Jesus said on the cross. So we're going to have seven lessons from the seven things Jesus said, and we're going to do it in five weeks, so we'll double up here in a couple of weeks. Here's our theme verse for the whole series. It's in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. We're taught, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. That's what we're doing. We're going to study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. Jesus got through his bad day. And his bad day was way worse than yours. How did he do it? We're going to study how he did it. See, Jesus had the worst day ever. No day is worse than the one Jesus had. He was betrayed by one of his very closest friends. Not just like betrayed like they said something on Facebook. He was betrayed. He had two completely illegal trials. They weren't even illegal. There were false witnesses that were coached how to speak against him, coached on what to say. Not a single person who followed Jesus actually showed up to testify for him. They denied him, in fact. He was mocked and humiliated, spit upon. He was whipped beyond recognition. And if that wasn't bad enough, he was nailed to a cross naked. And the very first thing Jesus says when he's on the cross, the very first thing he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Not only is it amazing that he said it, it's amazing he said it first. It's the last thing I would think to say. Father, forgive them. That's the first thing Jesus said from the cross. And so here's lesson number one we can learn. Lesson number one, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. If you're having a bad day, there's probably somebody else involved with that bad day. The first lesson we learn from Jesus' bad day is that we should forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our life. You ever had somebody trying to ruin your life? Sometimes I feel like it's somebody's spiritual gift. (laughs) Not really. Forgiving isn't just for the big things in life. In fact, uh, forgiving people is in the everyday prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgiving is right in there, in, in the Lord's prayer. It's something we should do daily. It's, it's a lifestyle that we need to have of forgiving, of letting it go. It's a universal issue for every human being on the face of the planet. Jesus said it's impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. I mean, we live in an offensible world, don't we? Like, man, you look at somebody sideways and half the, half the planet hates you. It's impossible that no offenses should come. You're going to get offended. You're, it's going to happen. You're going to be hurt. Bad days, weeks, and even some hard decades or life will come. Jesus did not promise everything would be happy and easy. In fact, he promised the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
there's good on the other side of this, guys. You're going to have troubles. You'll have people that try to ruin, ruin your life. And you need to forgive them. You need to forgive the people. Like, for your sake, you need to forgive the people that are trying to ruin your life. Let me unpack why. This is why this, here's what can happen if you don't forgive. Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother wronged is more unyielding. Everybody say unyielding. unyielding. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Unyielding. Think about what that can mean. Difficult to work with. You, you do, anyone ever did, did, done something and then later you have to go back and apologize and you say, I don't know what came over me. Or you've heard somebody else, what was that? What came over you? It was a brother wronged. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. You do stuff that you don't even recognize in you, but it comes out. Why? Because of unforgiveness. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. So when you're not forgiven and you keep that dispute, your heart becomes like a barred gate. Nobody's going to touch it. No, that was hurt once. Mm-mm, not again. Not even God. My heart's mine. You become blocked, barred off. If you live that way, you're going to live your whole life bitter. This is what Paul was talking about in Hebrews when he said, um, uh, to, to, be, to be watchful for a root of bitterness. It's going to give off bitter, bitter plants, bitter, bitter fruit from your bitter root. This is a humanity issue. It's nothing new. In uh, the days of, I don't know, when was your? People talk about the days of your. When was that? I don't know. It was a while ago. In the days of your, a while ago, 1600s, there was a king in England named uh, King Charles I. And King Charles I was viewed as a tyrant. And uh, he was actually executed. His, the, his, gov- his own government put him on trial. And they didn't like his policies. And they, they, they executed him. And there was 59 commissioners, 59 judges that signed his death warrant. And so King Charles I was executed. And then there was a period where there wasn't a king. And then the next king came up, his son, King Charles II, took back over the throne. And he was in charge. And he got his revenge on those 59 judges who signed the death warrant. The problem was 24 of those judges had already died. Not good enough. He had them pulled up out of the ground. No joke. He had them pulled up out of the ground and re-executed. I don't know if they put him in a chair and was like, what do you have to say for yourself? Like, had a trial? (laughs) This is in history books. They, they exhumed 24 of those dead people who had had his dad, he's going to he's gonna get his revenge. And he did. It wasn't, it wasn't enough that they had already died. He had to kill him again. See, unforgiveness is something that we like to hang on to. You know what I'm saying, because you do it. Me too. We like to hang on to it. It makes us feel like there's power in it. Like, there, like, like we're somehow in control of the thing that happened to us. But that's a false feeling. That's a lie of the enemy. The truth is unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. I've heard that said. In fact, I heard a story about Bubba who uh, walked into a bar and Jim Bob, Jim Bob, this is a joke, clearly. Because if there's ever a conversation, wouldn't it be awesome if there's actually conversations recorded between people named Bubba and Jim Bob? That'd be- anyway, Bubba's there and he's got a stick of dynamite 
right here in his jacket. And Jim Bob looks over and kind of catches a glance of the stick of dynamite in the guy's, guy's jacket. And Jim Bob says, Bubba, what's that stick of dynamite for? You okay, man? And Bubba says, oh, yep, I'm good. I got, I'm good. I'm ready. See, last time I was here last week, Phil over there, he was yelling at me, and he had his finger, and he was poking it in my chest, yelling at me. <laughs> I'm ready for it this time. If he does it again, I'm going to blow his hand off. <laughs> That's what unforgiveness is like. You're going to stay angry. You want to stay bitter. You're only hurt. They don't know. You're not hurting anybody but yourself. But yourself. I want to unpack this a little more. I'd like to share five things. I actually have three sermons today. I'm going to share a list of five, a list of four, and a list of three. I'm keeping it moving because we lost an hour. We're going to do this. <laughs> list of five. Five things that happened to Jesus. Five things that happened to Jesus, and maybe you can relate. Five things that happened to Jesus, and maybe you can relate. Here's number one. Betrayal. Betrayal. He was betrayed. This hurts most when it's from someone that loves you. Someone that loved you betrayed you. That hurts the most, doesn't it? And from the scripture, we can tell that there was nobody closer than the 12 disciples. And it was one of them, Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Many of you have felt betrayed before. Maybe you've had a divorce. Maybe you were cheated on. Maybe a, a, a co-worker or a boss betrayed you. If you identify with that idea of betrayal, good news, Jesus was there first. And he showed us how to get past it. You forgive everyone that's trying to ruin your life. The second thing that happened to Jesus is false accusation. You ever been accused of something that had no truth to it whatsoever? Like none at all? Jesus' trial was completely illegal. Jewish law required that they not try at night. They tried at night. The Sanhedrin was supposed to be the impartial judges. They are the ones that brought the charges. It was illegal. They were supposed to wait a day before making a verdict. They didn't. Well, they did. You know, it was between 5.59 and 6 a.m. Oh, new day. That's, they, they cheated the system. They paid people to testify against Jesus and coach them in what to say. The whole trial was a complete illegal sham. There was false accusation. If you've ever been falsely accused, it's not right what they did to you. But if you feel that way, good news is Jesus already did that. He already felt that way. He can identify with you. He's been there, done that, and got through it. He got through his bad day. By the way, watch out for false accusations on news. The the news stations, this is just a fact. News stations get money because of advertising. So they have to show you things that will keep you watching. It's logical. Anything on TV is that way. They have to show you things that will keep you watching. So there are people that are paid to commentate, paid to speculate. And if we're not careful, I'm not saying, like, okay, commentating, speculating, whatever, it's interesting. But we're God's people. We should not be picking up a secondhand offense about speculation. We have to be careful of this. Some of us are carrying around secondhand offenses because of lives half-truths, speculations from commentators, paid to speculate, and false accusations from news and conspiracies. Don't pick up the offense. Don't pick up the offense. 
Okay, enough of that. Third thing that Jesus went through, rejection. I told you I'm going to keep it moving because you're out an hour. I'm going to help you. Rejection. When we read the Gospels, it's clear Jesus was a really popular guy. He had the multitudes. I'm not sure how many that is, but it's a lot. He had the multitudes following him around. They all wanted his, you know, touch me, Jesus. You know, I'm going to get healed, and woo, I want the free food, and yeah. And they were happy when everything was good. But on his bad day, not a single one showed up to testify for him. Nobody. Even his very best friend, Peter, denied Jesus on his bad day. Maybe you feel rejected. Good news, Jesus went there first. And he got through it first. We can follow his example. The fourth thing, Jesus was abused. Happened to Jesus was abuse. See, crucifixion was so painful, there's a word for it, excruciating. That word was created to describe the pain of crucifixion. That's where it comes from. The beating itself was so horrible that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. And then he had to carry a cross. And he was hung up on the cross naked. Last week we talked about... um, how Jesus loved without boundaries. That was one of the things Pastor Deal mentioned. Or I'm sorry, he loved with boundaries. I'm not talking right now about current abuse. Abuse that is still happening to you. We shouldn't just accept it. That's a different story. But we must forgive. We must forgive. It's about a condition of our heart. We don't have to accept it. We need to remove ourselves from that situation. And there's consequences but we have to remove the hurt from our heart, and that's what happens in forgiveness. The fifth thing that happened to Jesus was humiliation. Jesus was humiliated. He was hung naked. He was spit on. He was laughed at. And in his trial, Herod said, come on, come on, do a miracle. Do a miracle, Jesus. Show me, entertain me. Mocking our king. And when he was on the cross, people jeered at him. You can save other people. You can't save yourself. (laughs) Humiliated him. You may feel humiliated or abused. but you, You may be humiliated or abused. The good news is Jesus went there first. And he went through there first. And we can follow his example. What's he do? The first thing he does? He says, Father, forgive him. I'm going to release this. I'm not going to carry this pain with me. That didn't make what the people did any less bad. But he wasn't going to carry it to his grave, which was imminent. He wasn't going to carry it. Jesus went before us. He understands us. Hebrews chapter 4 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. We have one that went through it with us. Jesus was tempted not to forgive. But he forgave on his very worst day. And that's good news for us because you see uh, a chapter earlier, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we're being tested, when we want to not forgive. He's able to help us. He understands. There's nothing you can cry out to God about that he doesn't get. And there's nothing you can't forgive because Jesus forgave you first. And he forgave more than you'll ever need to. 
So be, I'm going to give you some tips to forgive. I have three really good, I think they're really good, tips on how to forgive. But before I give you that, I, I would like to share four things that forgiveness is not. I, that was my list of five. Here's my list of four. Four things forgiveness is not. It's not minimizing the offense. When the Bible teaches to forgive, it's not saying, oh, it's, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. It didn't really hurt. You're making that up. No, 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 it really hurt. It really hurt. It was terrible. Offenses are bad. I'm not telling you it wasn't a big deal. It, it was a big deal. You don't have to forget it. It's not amnesia. You don't have to forget it. You won't forget it. You'll remember it the rest of your life. But you don't have to hurt. Second thing, forgiveness is not, it's not reconciliation. It's not reconciliation. Reconciliation is when two people work together and make it right again. Forgiveness is not that. You see, reconciliation requires two people to play the game. Both parts have to want it. And if you're able to reconcile, that's great. But it's a two-player game. You both have to want it. You don't have to make it right with the other person to forgive. You don't. In fact, if you make forgiveness contingent upon reconciliation, you're putting all, all the cards in their hands. Their, like, like, like your freedom, your joy, is being held hostage by the other person. And you let them. Forgiveness does not require reconciliation. See, reconciliation is a two-player game. Forgiveness is a one-player game. You can just do it. Some of you may need to forgive people who have gone to the grave. Forgiveness is about my heart. The other person's irrelevant. They don't have to want forgiveness. Maybe they're even happy they did it. You can still forgive. You can still forgive. Third thing forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not about doing what's fair. It's a challenge for us, isn't it? I don't want to forgive. They knew what they were doing. And they did it anyway. Maybe they did. Aren't you glad that Jesus isn't fair? Because if you want fair, you're paying for your own sins. We're all, we're all paying for our own sins if you want fair. But praise be to God, he paid for them for me. That's not fair at all. Thank you, Jesus, for your gift. Because he did it for us, we pass it on. I'll talk about that in a second. We got to pass it on. It's not about doing what's fair. It's about doing what Jesus does. We're representatives of him. Here's the fourth thing forgiveness is not. It's not impossible to do. It's not impossible to do. You can do it. You can be content in every situation. Here's how. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all of this by the power of Christ. He gives me the strength. I can't forgive. You can. You can. Through the power of Christ. It takes the power of Jesus. Where does the power come from? It comes from Jesus. We need to model what he did. We're taught in 1 Peter, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. What kind of attitude is that? Great question. I'm glad you asked. It's this attitude. Father, forgive him. It's the first thing he said. Father, forgive him. I'm not carrying it. I'm not carrying bitterness. Father, forgive him. He suffered and I can have that attitude. 
See, nothing inside of us, forgiveness is so hard, I get it, nothing inside of us wants to forgive naturally. There's, there's not an ounce of natural emotion that is hardwired to forgive. We want to get even. We want to, we want to blow back. Nothing inside of us will ever want to do it. It goes against every emotion and feeling. So here's what I'm saying. You will never forgive if you wait till you feel like it. You'll never do it. Because there's nothing normal. There's nothing natural about forgiving. There's something supernatural about it. So if you wait until you feel like it, you know, I've, I've been forgiven yet. You know, I'm working on forgiving. I'm going to, you know, you know, in a few decades maybe. You'll never forgive if you wait until you feel like it because you never will feel like it. Because we have a sinful nature, right? Like that's, you're never going to feel like, like, oh, you know what I want to do today? Lost an hour of sleep. You know what else? I'm going to forgive, doggone it. You're never going to do it. So I've found that forgiveness starts with your brain. You're taught to do it. You choose to do it. So you choose to forgive. It's like, like your brain makes you do it because you decided to do it. And then emotions kind of catch up. It takes an act of the mind first. You may not feel like you forgave in your guts right away because Satan's going to try to bypass your choice. But I want to help you get there quick, quickly. I want to help you forgive with some really practical tips. You do it with your mind. You forgive with your mind. And then your heart will change too. If you do these three things, your heart will change too. So I, have, I had a list of five. I had a list of four. Here's my list of three. Three tips to forgive. If you do these things, your heart's going to change. I promise you, your heart will change. And if you don't believe me, try it. I, I dare you. Triple dog dare you. You're going to pass up a triple dog dare? You're going to pass up a triple dog dare? I triple dog dare you. Try these tips. To forgive someone who hurts you, your heart will change. There is power in these steps, and you won't know unless you do it. Here's the first one. Pray for them. Pray for them. Yeah, Pastor Adam, I'll pray they fall off a cliff. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Pray that God actually doesn't work in their life. Pray that God actually helps them. Have you, has it, have you ever considered the fact that maybe they were a jerk to you because their life stinks? Maybe they were a jerk to you because they don't know him? Pray for him. Jesus teaches, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And here's what changes. When we pray for somebody, it changes this. It is impossible to pray for somebody I'm sorry, let me say it the other way. It's impossible to hate someone you're praying for. Just pick somebody that you're like kind of hating and just say a prayer for them. And by the end of 30 seconds, you're going to be like, I don't hate you. How'd that happen? There's power in this. You won't know unless you try it. Here's the second tip to forgive. Bless them. Bless them. Bless means... Speak well of. 
speak well of. It means I won't let a public word or a private word come out of my mouth negative about them. That would be a curse. But I'm going to let good come out of my mouth about them. Romans tells us, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It is plain and simple. Bless and do not curse. These are about the words that come out of our mouth. If you're in a broken home situation, don't talk about your ex negatively towards their... Don't talk about your children's parent in a negative way in front of your kids. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's terrible. That's terrible. Bless. Let good, public and private, come out of your mouth. In fact, I encourage you to be careful of your venting. I just need to vent. Is it venting or is it cursing? Are you letting negative come out of your mouth about somebody God made and loves? Loved enough to die for? You're going to let negative... That's cursing. Careful of your venting. When you bless, you speak well of, it changes your heart. Um, well over a decade ago, it was, pro- it was two decades ago. I'm old. It was, almost, it was almost two decades ago. Wow. My mom just said I'm not old. We know what that means. It means I'm not old. Thanks, Mom. Anyway, um, there was, there was a, a person in our church a long time ago. They're not around anymore. Uh, but they had a problem with me. And I have no idea what I did to offend them. But I offended them. And they got very frustrated with me, started lies, rejection. I remember coming in on a Sunday and 20 or 30 people are questioning me, asking me, did you really? What? No. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. No. Man, my heart was in pain. I didn't know what to do. I remember talking with my dad, and he said, well, Adam, go say something good to that guy. I was like, you're, you're stupid. <laughs> That's what I thought. But he's usually right. Yep. And so I said, okay, God. I remember I prayed. I said, God, I think that's crazy. But if you want me to do it, give me a chance. Give me a chance. And wouldn't you know it, the very next day, we were at church, and I came around the corner, and there he is. Nobody else around. Just the guy. And me. If that's not a clear, clear sign, I don't know what is. Like, Give me a chance, God, and there he is. And I looked at him and I said, I really appreciate that you're always here. That was the only thing good I could think about to say about the guy. You're here. I really appreciate that you're here. I never have to wonder if you're coming. And he looks back at me and says, I don't like the things you do. He was still trying to get his finger in. But in the act of blessing, that was hard for me to say, I appreciate you being here. I I, I said it and I meant it. I never had to wonder if he was coming. He was always here. 
But in the act of saying, I appreciate you being here, my heart changed. And so when he said, I don't like the things you do, I was free. Joke was on him. He was trying to hurt me, but it didn't because I was free. And it popped right out of my mouth. I went, that's okay. You don't have to like me. And I was good ever since. Everything changed because of the power of blessing. The power of blessing. There is supernatural power behind these things. And saying something simple like, I appreciate that you come. Changed my heart. And he still tried to get his finger in and it didn't hurt anymore. If you're getting hurt, try some blessing. Try some blessing. Number three, third tip, do good to them. Oh, Pastor Adam, blessing was hard enough. You can't ask me to do that. Okay, I won't, but Jesus did. Romans chapter 12, the Bible teaches, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There it is. See, see if you have a offense against your brother, right there in the Bible, it's saying you don't have to have reconciliation. But as far as it depends on you, you're going to live at peace. You're going you're gonna to forgive. You're going to forgive. Live at peace with everyone. It continues, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Pastor Deal talked about that last week. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, some of you are pretty excited because you like the idea of heaping burning coals on somebody's head. Yeah, that'll teach him. You're missing it. You're missing it. Forgiveness is letting it go. Forgiveness is letting it go. The point of that verse is that their conscience is going to burn. The point of that verse is that's how you'll change. That's how God is going to change them. He's going to change them through you when you speak positively. In fact, even the original, like the idea of coals, coals in the uh, in the ancient world, everybody had to have them to start a fire. Otherwise, they'd be doing one of these things. And it was much easier to start a fire if you had an ember. That was like the like the most valuable commodity of the time. Was a hot coal. That was the ability for somebody else to to have dinner, have some protein. And so if you're heaping burning coals, you're giving them the most valuable commodity. Maybe it's respect, love, appreciation. Do good to them. We don't heap burning coals on them to be mean. It's not to incite anger. That's not what that verse means. It's not a reference to pain. But we can do good, and things can change. Your heart will change. Do these tips, and your heart will change. There's power behind this. You won't know unless you do it. You just won't. Isn't it good that God forgave us? Yeah. But there's a responsibility with that. Freely, you've received it. Anybody here pay for the forgiveness God gave you? No, you didn't. You didn't pay for it. He paid for it. Freely you received, freely give. Jesus said that. 
So you've received forgiveness. Oh, doesn't it feel good to be forgiven and in the arms of Jesus? Yes. Yes, it does. What's that for? You received it free. And now there's a calling on each of our lives to express that forgiveness back to the people around us. We are agents of Jesus when we forgive. Good news is you'll never have to forgive more than what Jesus forgave you. You'll never have to die for anybody for them to be forgiven. You'll never have that. Jesus did that. We must be forgiven forgivers. The power of God is in us to forgive others because we've been forgiven. Would you stand with me? power of God is in us to forgive others because we've been forgiven. I realize that this message can be encouraging and discouraging at the same time. It's pretty hard. Maybe I've even brought up some stuff that you forgot about. Don't believe the lie that it's not affecting you right now. Unforgiveness is a sin and unforgiveness will affect our day-to-day life. You won't know until you try it. And when you try it, your heart will be open. It'll just be changed. People will try to hurt, but it'll... It won't. It won't. If you live with a life of forgiving, a lifestyle of forgiveness, the zingers just don't zing anymore. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. Forgiveness is affecting our life now. Lord, I pray for your power to come to your people right now. I pray that you heal the hurts that have been done to us, the offenses that have been done. Your word says, by your stripes you're healed. So I pray for healing. Heal up the wounds, God. We'll never forget what happened, but we don't want it to hurt anymore. So God, I pray also for your power not only to heal, but to give us the power to forgive. Thank you for your power of forgiveness in our lives. Lord, we release the people who abused us, who betrayed us, who falsely accused us, who rejected us, who humiliated us. We forgive them because you love them. And Lord, we pray for your power to touch those people who hurt us in powerful ways. Lord, we don't want to hang on to them. They're not on our hook, but they're on your hook. We give them to you. We give the people who hurt us to you, Lord. You do what you want, God. It's not our problem. We forgive. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here and you've never experienced the forgiveness of God in your own life. I don't even think this message is possible to do if you haven't received forgiveness yourself. If you're not a Christian, if Jesus hasn't forgiven you, If you've never made the step to follow Jesus, I want you to do that right now. You can pray with me. You just pray, pray, Lord, I I offended you. I know I'm the one that offended you. I'm not perfect. I don't want to turn my life over to you. I surrender it to you. Thank you for dying for me so I don't have to. You paid the sin, paid for my sins. So God, I receive your gift of salvation. I'm going to follow you and surrender.